And now for an exploding interview. Stay tuned. And welcome back to the Explominate Podcast. I'm your host, Battle Mode, and this week our co-host is Daz. Uh, thanks, Ben, and uh, welcome, guys. Yeah, looking forward to uh, this discussion. Should be one of my favourite, or at least one of my favourite games. So I'm really looking forward to uh, getting into the uh, meat and potatoes of uh, of this particular game. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about Shadow Empire, and we've got a special guest, which is the developer of Shadow Empire, uh, VR Designs, Vic. Hi, guys. It's good to have you back, Vic. It's always a pleasure. Vic, tell us what you've been up to since, the, I guess, the last time we spoke to you, which was maybe about a year after the release of the uh, original Shadow Empire. I thought actually we'd spoken um, with Oceania, hadn't we? It feels like it's a long time ago. Gosh, is it really? I can't. Did we speak about Oceania? I thought so. No, I think didn't. Didn't you just do like a podcast together with Ben, like just <sighs> us and Ben, without actually me? Yes, we did. We did. So, yeah, that's right. <laughs> wow, Vic, Vic knows our podcast better than us. So, uh, yeah, the last time we spoke to Vic, I think, was with Tortuga Power as well, if I remember right. Ah, um, yeah, okay. Yep. So that was quite a while ago because I, I, uh, I've not heard of it from Eric for a while. So, <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, so, yeah, I mean, Vic, maybe catch us up with what's happened with uh, with Oceania and, you know, and the and the game development going forwards. Uh, what happened with Oceania? Uh, you mean, how, how, how did the release go? Well, yeah, like, um, just just explain what Oceania is. Right, Oceania was the the first DLC I ever did for any game because uh, it's sort of an experiment. Thing is, like Shadow Empire was released in 2020, I think, so that's like three years ago now. And normally, I after I do a game, I start on a new game. Uh, but Shadow Empire, first of all, it did relatively well compared to my other games, and second of all, I really liked the game myself and the universe I was building. So uh, it's basically an experiment to see how I can continue spending more time on Shadow Empire without actually making a, a bad commercial decision. So the DLC was a way to see if I could make some extra revenue and if it would have an impact on the, the number of core games sold. Because the DLC in itself, it's not making a lot of, a lot of extra revenue. Uh, the price is like one-fourth of the, the base game. And well, the number of sales is going to be much lower than the, than the base game. So you basically have a 0.x multiplier with another 0.x multiplier. But on the other side, there's less time spent on development as well. Anyway, that my, my, my base idea with the DLC was, yeah, it's nice to have some extra revenue from the DLC. But it's also an opportunity, uh, a DLC, uh, to get some renewed attention for the, for the base game itself. Because if you do a... A normal patch for a base game uh, in the world where we live, it gets some attention maybe. Yeah, but you guys will give it a little bit of attention probably. Uh, on, there will be some, some discussion on the forums. But for some reason, uh, if you actually launch a paid DLC, it gives more, uh, more, more it has more marketing impact. Uh, and I hope this would result in more sales of the base game. And it did a bit, uh, but, but not to the degree where I would have liked uh, to see it. 
Actually, if I can just ask a question there, Vic, um, just with the uh, with the DLC, because I, I know that whenever I'm uh, showing Shadow Empire and people new people come in to actually look at the game, everyone's always impressed with it. Uh, but the question inevitably is: Is it worth getting the DLC at the same time as the um, as the base game? And and to be honest, I like when I'm playing the games, I'm thinking actually it's going to make it a bit more difficult to learn the game uh, if you are new to the game. So you're better off just getting the base game if you're wanting to get to the game. And then the DLC then just adds a lot more. It's like an, an extra course of the, of the meal, essentially, but it does actually add that uh, another another layer, of, I guess, of complexity. Is that something that um, – is there any way around that? I, I guess in one sense yeah. – I mean, th- Yep, I'll, I'll let you answer. Yeah, no, no, I was just making a weird noise. Because it's a funny question, yeah. Like, are you implying I should make a DLC that makes things simpler? Oh no, 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 no! Well, it's just, <laughs> it's just it's funny because some DLCs um, it's, you can it's it enhances. I guess I'm just trying to think of an example. Like some DLCs, you know, provide extra units or things where you don't have to relearn or learn any of the new mechanics. Whereas right. uh, with Oceania. Uh, you know, you've got a, you, there's a, a lot of mechanics that get added into the game. That's a, I guess that's another thing as well. Like, is there is there ever any thought about bringing Oceania to then work back in with the base game um, algorithms for the for the planets? Could you rephrase that question? Uh, like, if you go, for example, to a Hydra world or um, or a you know a um, a Gaia world or one of those sorts of worlds, you don't have the option to play with the uh, with the maritime trade houses. And uh, I was just wondering if that was ever going to be a consideration to actually work it so that so that the DLC actually then works back with the planet generation uh, of the old game. Well, not at the moment, to be honest. Uh, I had the feeling like the, the 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 Oceania planet classes I added, they they sort of allow a lot of variety already. And on top of that, like the old planet classes, they all have like relatively low bodies of small bodies of water. So wouldn't make that much sense to have trade houses, maritime trade houses on them. Actually, well, that, that brings up another question then, um, because you've changed the actual trading system, haven't you, for the actual, like for the for the base resources. And uh, just for myself, actually, it's one of those things where I'm, I, I get a little bit confused as to where, like, because it, is that right? You have actually, you have re-looked at the way that uh, pricing works in the in the base game anyway, I think fairly recently. Uh, when Oceania came out, and um, and so I guess my question with that is, uh, you know, like it, it's that's already a factor in the in the game now anyway. Like the whole the whole pricing, I still I don't know where the cutoff is though between the maritime trade house and the actual just the traders in general. Actually, they they the, all the changes to the trade algorithms that have been made to the base game. So the only thing. Trade-wise, that the maritime trade houses at is that there's now also traders uh, in the sea zones, but otherwise, they're, they're basically all, all, all the fine-tuning that's been done has been done to the bank to the base game. Yeah, so the the, the I guess the uh, the benefit then really is um, the benefit to the base game is <laughs> is that you've been able to focus on those on those trade uh, trade areas in the in the actual game itself because it's actually it feels much much more dynamic now playing. Playing the, with the uh, with the traders and actually trying to sort of you know instead of just always just rocketing out with your uh, with your uh, rare metals, selling them off uh, every three turns, and then you can't do that as as well anymore, which is actually really really cool. Well, it depends if there is, is somewhere there is a buyer, um, then then you know prices will bump back over time. But if, if yeah, if you if if you're the only one that's selling something and nobody's buying the thing, 
then yeah, you will be stuck at some point. Yeah, which I really like that. I, I like that it's now dynamic and it's actually real. It's um, instead of it just being abstracted. So what I really like about the new DLC is that I felt that there were elements of the original base game that were, it was very heavily detailed in the simulation side of things and wasn't necessarily being touched on in every game. Um, for example, you know, the more intricate side of the trading thing, which is largely automated, you know, under the under the hood of the game. But I found that with, with Oceania, you really need to focus on making money, for example. Right. So uh, for the first time, I'd really got into the detail of the private economy si uh, simulation, trying to squeeze out as much money as I could from, you know, from the private economy. So I started having to look at things like, wow, what's the private luxury economy? You know, what, you know, what are private luxuries? Uh, what, what is this thing where they're, you know, the, the people buy free folk that's costing money as well. And so I really, really liked Oceania. I immediately saw it as uh, the, the developer has kind of opened up a lot of the detail that he'd put into the base game and now made it much more important to kind of look at that thing. And that kind of goes back to what Daz was saying, where the game is much more complex, I think, if you if you play with Oceania, at least my experience. And this is the thing about Forex games. They're so complex and big. Like, I'm still playing my first game of Oceania through now, and it was released months ago. And I've not been able to play all the time because I've had other things to do. But still, I'm still running on that first version <laughs> that, the, you know, that the game released with. So... You know, with the beat, and I put the beta patches in, but you know, a lot of that stuff won't come through to the next version until the next get playthrough. Um, Vic, was that a deliberate decision when you were making Oceania to allow the player, to, you know, to experience some of the detail that you put into the game that perhaps they weren't really engaging with before? Yeah, I think so. Listen, I'm quite an intuitive designer, so just sometimes I, you know, I have, ma I have many notes, piles and piles of sketchbooks and. And, and papers and, and I try to, you know, at some point I, I produce a lot of ideas and then I try to synthesize them back in, in, a, in a few concrete actual features. And it, I think it definitely played a, uh, played a role. I mean, the, 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 at least the decision to make it turn around credits was a, was a conscious one uh, because I thought that they were not important enough uh, in the base game. Um, yeah, they're important for you know paying your salaries and trading a bit and stuff, but they were not crucial in a way like uh, your uh, your actual, uh, for example, your military, your your bureaucratic points are. Uh, so yeah, the decision to say like, okay, this this is about you know having the credits to buy these services, and that changes the orientation of the player. Uh, that that was conscious, yes, and and to make that more viable, uh, I, I added also like a big number of events that give you the opportunity to to to, to earn some credits if you're in a, in a, in a tough spot, or or even to you know to go into this uh, the, the other side, you know, to, to to manage if you don't have enough credits is to go into an alliance with a maritime trade house, uh, where you basically get like uh, better lower. Uh, prices for any contracts you you sign with them, but you have to take their their stuff on board within within your uh, within your administration within your regime. Um, but to, to get back to the question, yes, uh, the, the the credits thing is conscious, and and I think out of that role, like let's 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 make sure like all the the, the trade part works really well, and you can also inspect it. Uh, uh, through the Maritime Trade House logbook. Uh, and I think there's a minority of players who sort of liked uh, that to have this insight in what 
these traders are actually doing in, in detail. Um, actually, Vicky, you, you said a minority of players. I, I've found that when people actually get into it, they absolutely love it. I don't know anyone who th- who doesn't love it, actually, in that sort of sense. Well, it's a guess. I, 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 to be honest, I, I don't know. It was a, it's, it's my guess that it probably should be a minority because it's, it starts to be like a, a bit obscure if you're going to check the logbook of the Maritime Trade House. Like, what did they exactly sell and buy and for what price? I'm with Daz on this, though. I found that my... Sorry to interrupt, Vic. Um, but I've noticed that a lot of my viewers who watch my Let's Plays... When I start going into the into the fine detail of what's go, you know trying to figure out what's going on in the simulation, uh, I get a lot of comments on that, and people really seem to enjoy it. So I think maybe there's there might be more people than you think who are actually interested in those fine well, details. Well, that, that's good because it, it it yeah it is something on my agenda to open up more of these details over time that are already there uh, in many cases. I, I find when I do live streams, it's the same thing actually. It's uh, one of those things where I think that. There's two types of gamers I sort of tend to find is that uh, we, we, that are interested in games that will buy a game. One one type will get in and really, really love to, particularly these sort of games, that will get under the hood and have a really, really good look at it. And the other type will actually get it, but they don't tend to play it much, but they love watching it. <laughs> and I think it's the when they can see that there's like that level of detail. I don't, as I say, like I think that, that uh, people who play these more sort of complex uh, style games actually really do like to see that then that's one of the things that really surprised me in a very pleasant way with Oceania was just the amount of detail that you managed to put into the log files and all the other information about the trade houses it was just brilliant well it's it's, it's a dual purpose thing because yeah I, I, I like the whole idea of the logbook that you can inspect in detail like for example you know like if you're doing combat uh, regular combat in Shadow Empire you can also go to combat details I, I like to, to put this kind of uh, transparency in because it, it it does provide a little a little bit of a sense of wonder, like what's what's going on. But on the other hand, it's it's also great for actually making sure everything is working as it should. I think that uh, actually with the combat side of thing, I, again, that's one of the things that uh, people just play on that first screen, like where you're just looking at the actual uh, characters and don't really ever go to the other two screens with combat. And I, th- I think it's 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 fun to be able to when people have really just sort of t- started to play the game when they realize what the other two screens do and particularly the last screen like we we're actually going through round by round bullet by bullet it's really just um it's just amazing that you've got that sort of level of depth and um actually but there but there is one thing i've I, it's something I've, I've wanted ever since the game the original game first came out actually I put it in a, a, a bit of feedback uh, on the forum today would you ever put the reports as something that is then accessible to the player like for example we don't get to see the the, uh, the combat that happens when the ai has their turn and also if we have a battle we can't go back and look at the reports at all of that battle after we close it yeah it, it, it is on, on on some lists and i did look into it briefly it was way more complicated to pull it off than i hoped so i i, I pushed it forward a bit uh it is something I, I i would like to have especially you know like i would say if you fight your battle and you press okay okay maybe you lost information that's not a big deal you had the information at some point if you wanted to inspect it but especially for the history i mean you have really low information on the your de- defensive battles basically and i i, I think that it should be in there at some point yes the ability to 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 go to history mode and then you see your small uh, resume of the battle but then have a button to the side that say like show me the show me the whole thing the thing is like code wise the, the the actual 
combat simulation is so complicated and it goes into so much detail. It's actually generating a lot of data, so there's that. And it's, 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 it needs a recode uh, enabled to, to be able to, re- to replay it, to store it, and to replay it exactly as it happened Would you before. need to replay it, though? Even it, uh, like, I find that it's the, um, the, when, you're re- when you're looking at it, it's good to see the list of who actually fought. Uh, it's good to see, get that result. So even though you wouldn't be playing through round by round, um, if, if, if you just stored the, uh, the actual results of that first screen, um, I forget what they were called, the graphics screen, and then you've got the text screen as well. That's just a summary anyway. And then you've got the last screen, which um, is really just a list of what actually happened. It, it, would, that be, would that be possible? Because I, I don't think that um, if, if you just opened up a report and it showed you the results of those three with those three screens without actually playing through the actual animation of what happened, um, that for me would be perfect. <laughs> You see, Vic, you don't know your peril, sir. Um, whenever we get Daz Tactic on for uh, for an interview, he's he often like he likes to use it as an opportunity to uh, to get all these ideas for the games. I, I, do, so, I, I uh, do read this for you. Yes. No, but it's. I, I think you 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 two are a bit special in a way because you have been. I'm not sure about you, Ben, but Daz at least he has been playing my games since Advanced Tactics. So I, I do tend yeah, to listen yeah. to him because I think we are very much on the on the same wavelength about Actually, things. Yeah, people's like. tactics is when I started. <laughs> <laughs> That's that was before YouTube, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm just a poor noob. <laughs> no, no. But I, I listen. I listen. To, I listen to both of you actually because uh, it's 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 informative. The let's plays, I you know maybe not all of them, but especially if you have some podcast that goes a bit more into analysis of the game uh yes i do tend to listen well it must be interesting because i guess with a game this complex part of the part of the challenge will be communicating uh the ideas of what you're wanting you know the game to be to other people so it must be quite enlightening to see some some idiot like me kind of like looking at it and getting it wrong like i put yesterday i put out a video on the uh, the changes that you made to just one thing which really was the solar power which i, I i've been talking about for a long time that was kind of uh, an issue that was kind of bugging me and um i was just being kind of blind and missed the obvious thing that you'd put in there which was that you'd actually made it more expensive and i was I did a kind of half an hour long video saying oh you know this is not this is not really good enough you know i think it i think it needs to be blah 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 and then and then i looked at it again and i was like oh yeah but there will be a slight a slight nudge again next one but i think we're almost out of yo-yoing I think it's a little bit, I overdid it a little bit in the last uh, version, so I expect it to become a little bit more interesting again the next one. But uh, yeah, it, it sure. works like this, you know, it's like a, like, a, like a sinus wave that slowly flattens out. Like you, you overdo it a bit towards too much, you overdo it a bit towards too little, but it should, should get closer to the baseline where I want to have it. That brings up another question because, I, I mean, the, the way that you find... The way that you find your solutions, sorry, there's a, an echo coming through, but um, yeah, the way that you find your solutions uh, for like, you know, th- th- this uh, Tech 3, uh, the lack of being able to get solar power, the way that you actually solve that is just such a, a elegant way to actually get the solution rather than just what everyone, everyone just was sort of asking for a very simple solution, which actually wouldn't have had anywhere near the, um, I guess, the immersion that you ended up with. And I just, uh, I've got to commend you on like and Ben and I were talking about this, uh, I think earlier today, because um, we do chat as well uh, about things. And it was just one of those things we're thinking, wow, yeah, Vic's just an absolute genius when he comes to uh, putting these, um, like, to making things work. And uh, 
even that, that little patch, that little beta patch that you've put out, uh, well, not little, but I mean, it's just it's straight after uh, 12.D or whatever it was. Um, you know, you've now got E, e bringing all these other wonderful things into it. It's just incredible. Uh, well, thank you. <laughs> not sure about the genius part, but uh, I do what I can. And I'm serious that I say, like, without like the the, the the feedback from the community, it will be much would be much harder to 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 make changes. And sometimes changes are also not well received. Like, um, there's always you know, every change you always piss somebody off. Um, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I think again today, like with the with the update that you brought out today, and to make the model designer have to have you know make more of the that for me was the most impactful thing of the of the actual of, of the of the release over the last couple of days has been the uh, that the model designer person now has to actually have a, a skill set to actually make an impact and i thought i thought that was really really clever well this is for example one of the things i picked out you know uh reading the community feedback like i saw somebody saying this and like well that's that's uh, that, that that's that's true that's a great point i checked you know the systems around the model design uh, council and like, hey, you know, it's and on top of that, the guy is using technician two times. All the other guys are using inventor to discover something new. Why, why does this guy have two times technician? Maybe there was a reason when I first designed it, but I was like, yeah, or maybe not. Maybe you just made a mistake. So and 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 the skills, yeah, yeah, I think it was a good idea. I think it's great. But- it's just fantastic, and the other thing, like bringing in the organic furnace and the uh, and the scavenge furnace as well. I do have a a question about that with the, and I, I haven't been able to test the uh, the organics. You know, it's only just come out, but the with the organic uh, furnace, it says that there's a twenty five percent chance of it destroying the forest that it's you know around it. And I know that it, when it starts off, it's got that it's got the hex it's on plus the the six surrounding hexes that it can actually then go and get the furnace from. Is it twenty five percent per turn, or is that like a per year, or like how? Because I would have thought twenty five percent to destroy the forest per turn. You're like it's almost like a terraforming uh, sort of style of uh, of just completely denuding the uh, the land of of trees. No, it's twenty five percent per per round. So yeah, per turn. Wow. So that, yeah, because that for me that feels um, that may be a bit fairly dramatic. Well, I have to sort of keep it balanced, you know, with like how many turns, you know, you can, for example, scavenge uh, a ruin, uh, how many turns you can mine a metal mine. I I know that I'm taking some liberties with a lot of stuff because, you know, if it would be a real simulation, I mean, with with the, the, the population numbers we are seeing in the game, I mean, probably a metal mine would never run out, right? Well, I think that you have to do that for gameplay reasons. And it reminds me of <clears throat> the John Tiller games where they have a, a mechanic that when you first start using it, it seems very jarring, but actually works very well. And that was done to cut down on processing power, I believe, which was every time your unit engages in combat, uh, there's a flat percentage chance that it's going to run out of ammunition. So some people get very upset when in the very first round of combat after the first day you know of war then uh, you know they've they've got a bad role and their unit is out of out of ammunition already and they felt that was very unrealistic and you know actually the tiller guys they kind of they explained it off like well you know you, not everybody starts out fully supplied at the start of a battle and that kind of thing so i think that some abstraction is necessary isn't it in order to be able to cut down on the the horrendous number crunching that has to go on yeah and sometimes you know i could even you know explain it by from a simulation point of view but I don't always feel like, you know, trying to find an excuse against such type of criticisms. There's a, there's a lot of 
stuff with a skill that's a bit uh, a bit gamey. Uh, but I try to keep it, you know, I try to make a compromise between simulation and gameplay. And the same with the, with the forest here, you know. And, and, and actually, it's not as bad as you think, because if there actually would be like a jungle hex, you know, it would, on average, take, I guess, like what? Like four four rounds for it to, to degrade, um, because 25% chance per round. So say it takes four rounds, uh, but then it would become heavy forest, Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. So it actually goes it goes backwards. Exactly. And, oh, and then okay. it's four yeah, rounds. No, that's, that's great. And then it becomes forest. And then it's four rounds and becomes savannah. And then it's four rounds and then it becomes like plains. Yep. Okay. No, that's, that's, I will, I take all that back. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, you see, this is, this is what I was saying, Daz, because like I think sometimes, like I missed that with the, with the solar stuff yeah. yesterday as well. So, and it took me, it took me some contemplation when I was like, hang on a minute. Like here, here I am sort of butting up against, you know, the idea of a game designer who's a real game designer, not like a, pretend one who talks about game design like me and then you know realizing actually oh hang on he thought about this well i knew that that would be the case and that's why i kind of went back and looked at it over and over again because i was like hang on a minute i must be missing something here because this doesn't seem quite no but keep 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 spitting criticisms because uh i forget things too and it's 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 uh sometimes somebody else sees clearer than me i'm I'm very open to to input actually yeah because i just i also wanted to just reiterate what you were saying there before about um like i think that there are some players, and I think they're a, a, a pretty a vocal minority that actually do look for exact simulation. Um, but uh, in like really, the game balance has got to override that, in, in my opinion. So no, I think that you've done a great job. I mean, it, let's just let's face it: if you if it was a full simulation, you wouldn't have like five thousand people's working people working in a farm. <laughs> so, but it's uh, but it just works the way that it's all done. It's great. I actually had an interesting comment on one of my videos yesterday uh, discussing the latest beta patch where I think somebody went and tested out the new build and he was kind of despairing because uh, he was like, look, you, you start at an energy deficit and it's awful because, you know, you've got this one building that is minus 10 and he, and he added, he did all the math and it turned out that he was in a, you know, minus 10 energy deficit. And he was like, oh no, this is terrible. I really hate this. And I said, and I went and tested it myself and I was like, look, mate, you've got 160, you know, you've got 160 energy and a 10 energy credit energy deficit that's actually 16 turns before you need to put up your first power and that's on hard right so uh, i think sometimes people don't always you know they, they kind of see changes that have come in and they're used to something get being different and then they get very upset but when you actually step back a little bit and think about it and play it a bit you actually see that the game has opened up more opportunities for you now like all this new power stuff that's come in i can see the like to me that has opened up the early game where you i i don't like uh you know what do you call them incontrovertible decisions you know or no-brainer decisions i don't like those in games i think in forex particularly which is supposed to be about interesting decisions if there are a set of moves that you always take because they're the most optimum that kind of runs contrary to the you know, to Sid Meier's kind of principle there about, you know, interesting decisions. So I really like it when you add more options in, for example, uh, I don't know why, uh, Vic, why you did this, you know, with adding machinery to, you know, agriculture at the start. So uh, agriculture now requires machines in order to get up and running. Now, thematically, that makes a lot of sense to me. Now, I've got one viewer who really did not like that change. He hates it. And I, I can't really understand why. But anyway, uh, it was interesting because I noticed that now 
you not only do you have to have machines going up for your for your agriculture but you've now got a little bit of an energy deficit you've got to contend with but you don't have to contend with it immediately what this is doing is especially when you add it to the very big variety of potential planets that you can get and the and the you know the random nature of the of the starting conditions all of a sudden you've got so many different ways that you can start building your you know your initial empire and you add it to all the different profiles uh, this is this is really really good and i think this is the kind of gameplay that i really want to see in a game like shadow empire it really expands on the on the role playing side on the sandbox side and you know so I, I understand why people, when when things change, they kind of they're a little upset. But I think if you look at it in the long term and you see that it's giving options, then you know, obviously, providing it's not completely broken, something. And I think that's what the guy was thinking. He was he was worried that the you know the game was kind of like, oh no, it's broken now because you know I, now I've got to immediately build this, and it's like, eh, well, you know, maybe not. Maybe it's not quite well, so drastic. If I as can you interrupt, think. I think you know, for example, on the machinery thing, I think this was a good change because it was sort of one of the few important assets that actually didn't require machinery. So th- th- there's also a consistency argument sometimes when I when I make fine tunings. Uh, like, for example, the solar panels, they were like the only tech field uh, in their group that was really hard to discover and research because it was actually sort of like a, a glitch because I moved the, 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 the tech field from a higher group downwards to, to, to be discovered earlier. Uh, in the tree, and that's like, yeah, that's that's. I have to. They all have, have to have the same values because I'm doing this everywhere. It should be consistent. Uh, but for example, the negative uh, energy thing there, I already that's already on my list because I don't like it. So that's actually I was actually happy with this guy pointing it out uh, because I am afraid that somebody will place it for the first game if there's like a, a, a negative and how do you say a negative uh, production rate. At the start of the game, they, they they might very well indeed feel it's broken, and I don't want new players to have the possibility to think that it's broken. So that's something I will have to look into because obviously I didn't test the new rules. Maybe he played it at a higher technology start, higher development start, or something. So he had more assets already. I tested it on tech level three. Silly me. Uh, so I have to I have to retest that one and see where he's getting this this deficit and 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 just adjust that game start mode a little bit so there's no negative there but that's actually an example where you say like um ah you know it's 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 not broken and it's not broken you're right but it's it's not ideal either for a new player to start like this i think that's a good point i agree i think though with hard hard or expert though i think that that would be or you know i can't remember what the highest one's called extreme is it i think that would be actually a really good situation to start with because like i've kind of got to the point with shadow empire where i've crept the difficulty up level uh, difficulty level up to the highest level now so if there is like i'm happy to have a, a 10 or 20 point energy deficit in the game that is a challenge for me to overcome now some planets might make that very difficult to overcome but that's a cool challenge right and so i think i think on the the lower difficulty levels absolutely having a deficit would be a real problem because players are going to panic yeah i'm already doing if you start at beginner even with the new changes you still have your uh your big energy uh production uh hex uh, no, it's not. No, it's like a. a it's a. It's, it's an old relic. You have like you have a, a GR asset. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, it's like what was it? Uh, I changed it for a better. It was a generator before, which generated a hundred electricity. And, and now, if you start on, uh, not on beginner, you you start with thirty energy. Uh, so I, I, I like to keep beginner sort of safe at least. Uh, yeah. 
I don't think uh, actually one thing I find with uh, with gamers uh, generally who play these sort of games, they don't start on beginner, and that's one. I think you have to make sure that normal. Actually, I agree with you, Vic, that uh, you do need to have it so that the deficit deficit's not there for you know at least beginner and normal because um, that's. I think that gamers will tend to always start um, there or even hard sometimes because they'll assume that they can that they can play these sort of games and the game really isn't uh, it's it's not for the faint of heart is it like if you like when you, beginner is still actually reasonably hard a beginner is almost plays like a normal uh, strategy game in, in terms of its complexity and uh, so I, th- I think it's a good idea to, to actually sort of go and do that one uh, yeah and like I, I think that that's partly the fault of the sort of mainstream strategy gaming companies where they've they've kind of they've accepted that players have got an ego and they will immediately sort of bump the difficulty up to hard so it was funny there was there was another game that i know that uh, daz will have played which is stars in shadow the very good space 4x game like master of orion and players were immediately bumping that out to hard and getting absolutely crushed because it's really difficult <laughs> so the developer was like look i put in easy and normal you know for people who were like playing the game for the first time so just chill out a little bit <laughs> it's the same with it's the same with shadow empire as well like i it's one of the few games i recommend people to just play on easy you know on beginner to start off with because there's so much going on that you know you can you can get lost in the amount of things you have to do and the ai will walk over you <laughs> particularly if you get a That's difficult true. planetary start uh, so, okay so i'm gonna get a lot of flack if i don't talk about this issue vic uh so one of the criticisms that Oceania drew when it was released was that there was no controllable naval units. I'm interested to know what was your what was your thought process behind how you approached uh, what was going into Oceania? And I know that you must have you must have mulled this question over a lot in your mind before you you know before you began work. Uh, what what was the thought process behind that? Basically, I think my my main my main motivation was I, I just wanted to have planets with oceans. Uh, that was my main motivation, and I, I was not really focused on naval warfare at all. Uh, I, I've just been frustrated since the release of uh, Shadow Empire that it basically creates a large variety of desert or, or sort of like arid uh, planets due to the, the, the water bodies being uh, relatively small. I just wanted to have like, you know, continents, Earth-like planets being generated by the by the procedural algorithm. Uh, I think that was my main drive to do Oceania. I wanted to see nice planets with, with, with islands and, and, and continents. Uh, something that you know could be another well, I think succeeded there for, for sure I, I think one of the things is that other people were hopefully expecting there to be naval units to control alongside it um, I'm interested to know how you came up with the whole maritime trading house idea basically well, two things uh, th- there's sort of like a, a different game mechanic there than, than, than the one that's already in the game and I, I like that idea to provide something different gameplay wise because in a way naval units would be a, a, another iteration of uh, existing forces you know you have land forces air forces and then there would be naval forces it, it, it would play differently of course than, than land forces but it would still be counters on the map again i thought it would be nice to have something different which in theory wouldn't take too much of your time either to to manage if you want you sign a contract for 20 rounds 40 rounds and you know and you, you can just focus on on, on, on doing new other stuff uh, but it's also uh, it was also a big time investment. So there's also an element of trying to reduce uh, development time for Oceania with not doing the naval units. In the end, I 
ended up spending way more time than I expected to get these maritime trade houses to work properly. Uh, so <laughs> that's me a mistake in retrospective. I don't know, but I, I quite liked the end result. Um, and, and the end result is still compatible with actually adding naval units, uh, much in the way that, like, for example, the militia system is compatible with the regular military system. Um, yeah, that's, that's actually, like the maritime trade houses, I think, are fantastic. I'm actually one of the players who really, really wish that there were uh, naval units in the game, though, along with the maritime trade houses. Like, the Mar- like, it's funny when you sort of play the maritime trade houses, you think, wow, this is so deep and rich and it adds so much to the actual game itself. But, um, I, like, and I think I, it comes back to my time with Advanced Tactics and Advanced Tactics Gold. I used to love the supply system across the ocean. I know that the AI didn't managed to sort of do it much itself uh, with that particular game. But I just, I really enjoyed that. It was, um, and I sort of was, uh, <laughs> that's why I was sort of hoping that there'd be some sort of way of having having naval forces in the game. Also, just for keeping the animals down, like the um, the aquatic animals now that are, uh, that can sort of come in, get onto that one layer of hex of land, um, they can be quite disruptive. And if without the, the naval forces, all you're doing is just pushing them back, you need you need actually aircraft or artillery to be able to finish them off. Whereas it'd be cool to be able to have like a some sort of coastal defence force to be able to uh, to come through and and just finish those those animals off. Okay, uh, well I, I hear you. Uh, it's a secondary argument, right, for adding naval units. Um, but I, I still hope to get there. Uh, you both saw like uh, the when I shared like my development plan. And I think you both spotted that I, I do want to add them, but I did not want to start on it right away uh, because I already spent a lot of time with the oceans there and ports and naval logistics, uh, which was, to be honest, not that easy to get working, at least in my opinion, correctly. Uh, so I said, like, let's first take a break, work on something else, and then you get back to... Uh, those naval units because I I, 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 I I do want them in there. I mean, if everything goes well, if I can keep working on Shadow Empire over the years to come, uh, you know, eventually I, I would like to try to go to some sort of multi-planet uh, setup. And that, that's really exciting, uh, Vic. We're going to have to talk. About really, that. Lo- really long term. There's really far, far future here, right? Um, but if if I would get there. That would mean I, I cannot use the, the the maritime trade house mechanic for colonizing, you know, new planets. Because if if you if you arrive at a planet where there's, for example, there's nothing, right? It makes just it, it it's already thematically a, a bit cringy, uh, but there it would actually completely break. So at at some point I will need naval units. So and there's a lot of demand for it as well. I I am aware. So yeah, it's interesting because Daz and I will present two different sides of i think you know the audience base at least from my experience right i think there was uh my in my in the communities that i've been talking to there's probably about a 50 50 split of people who want the the naval units and people who aren't so bothered like i where i fall on it is i immediately saw that adding naval units wasn't really going to add anything new to the game whereas the maritime trading house thing is it's added something new to the game the whole there's this meta game that you've got to play now. It's become like a grand strategy game on top of the forex, on top of the war game, and I really, really like that. That's the kind of gameplay that I find really engaging. Whereas I'm less enthusiastic about pushing more counters around. And don't get me wrong, like 
you've seen some of the big games that I've played on YouTube. Sometimes I've pushed, you know, hundreds and hundreds of counters around. So I don't mind doing that. And I actually enjoy it. I like big games, but I didn't, I went, so when you said, you know, I, I didn't feel it was going to add a whole lot. I kind of feel the same, but I'm, I, that wasn't that def, that view of mine certainly was not shared uniformly across the community. I think some people really were hoping to have the naval units. And so my, my personal view on it is that, when it comes, I'm going to enjoy it because I do like naval stuff. It, I've I've always found in getting forex games, particularly those, never really work very well. So um, I'm be I'm going to be intrigued to see how you approach it because I feel that you know the the traditional way of having you know loading up units onto a transport, then getting the transport to kind of AI path across to another continent, figure out where to make the naval landing. Oh, okay, now that hex is now defended i've got to move around the continent oh no that hex is now defended i'm going to move back you know it starts adding some interesting kind of challenges i guess when it comes to not just ai but just the sort of logistics of it all oh yeah it will be very challenging and i'm not even you know talking about the 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 interactions between like air forces and navy and 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 land-based artillery and navy and shore bombardments and aircraft carriers and submarines it's 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 actually it's it's a big thing to to do correctly and, and that's one of the reasons why i didn't do it because i felt like in in, in, the, in the time that i had available to make the dlc i felt like it, it's just there's too much risk that you know it's i'm going to do it half-baked yeah i find that because i most of the time when i'm playing the game uh and you know with interacting with other people it's, it's usually as live streams where um where people are commenting all the time and i like uh you know ben you're sort of saying you've got a 50 50 split i've probably got an 80 20 split like pro pro naval units you know and not and maybe 20 percent don't really worry about it i think the people who play the game and have played a lot of oceania don't mind um but i think that people who are particularly coming in fairly new to the game or don't really know the game at all it's surprising for them not to actually have the naval units as part of the oceania pack uh so it was sort of that's I, I know that there's a disconnect there for, uh, for, for particularly for newish players, I guess, for the game and and for me as well. Like, to be honest, I do I do like them. It's sort of it's making me think I'm going to have to actually maybe get some questionnaires that I put up when I'm d- doing the live streams of um, Shadow Empire just to get uh, a bit more actual concrete um, information. Uh, it would be interesting to know what people are are thinking and expecting. Oh yeah, no, but I, I'm I'm sure that the, if you ask the question like, would you want uh, naval units to be added to the game. I think ninety uh, percent would say yes, proper eighty. Yeah, it's more that like it's it's just that there's a yeah. It, well, it's, it's not so much that the question is would you like them. It's there's people like often people as I say who come in and haven't actually played much of Oceania are surprised that the naval units aren't there because I, I think one of the other not so much issues but one of the other other aspects of Oceania is that you don't really get to play the Oceania part of it in any sort of meaningful way until you're fit into the mid game really uh where you're sort of then looking at doing your landings and um and establishing other other territories that's really when oceania starts to really sort of uh, to shine like with where you actually are using the maritime trade houses in a much more political sort of way to, to sort of manage your supplies and things like that it's it's a and i i guess new players you, you know it takes a long time to get to that aspect of it which um where I guess in one sort of sense, you know, naval forces, you'd be able to like technically sort of get started with them a bit more, like about pretty the same sort of pacing as you would with uh, with armour. I don't know if, if you guys have had the same sort of uh, aspect about that with the actual pacing of Oceania, uh, where you, the stuff that gets really interesting 
is a fair way into the game. Um, I've got to be honest, I've only played one game, well, a couple of games of Oceania, not including the, the beta test. So um, I, I find it quite hard to comment on that because I played my first game that I'm playing is on a Thalassa class with many, many small islands. And the gameplay in that has been really different to anything I've ever played with Shadow Empire before. Uh, it took a long, I mean, usually my games are over by about turn 150. That's, that's usually when I'm about wrapping them up, including that big 101 episode series that I did. I think it ended around turn 150, whereas I'm, I've hit, about hit turn 150 in this game and it's just got going. I, you know, I've, I've finally started to land onto other, onto other islands, having to set up uh, more SHQs, having to consider, you know, I've got to the point now where I've got transport aircraft, so I don't have to worry too much about the, about the maritime trading house, uh, you know, um, being fr- like friendly. So the, the, the game has drastically changed. It's very difficult for me to kind of get my head around quite how the game meta has changed because you do you can't tell just from one playthrough, even if it is a 50-hour playthrough or whatever it is. It's you know, like some crazy amount of time I've been playing it now. So I think that um, uh, I've not tested it enough to really be able to answer that question, Daz, to be honest, but I'm sure Vic will have a better understanding. Before we continue, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. What was the question? Oh, just that um, with the with the Oceania, Oceania, you don't when you're playing the with Oceania on the like with the maritime trade houses. Essentially, the actual really interesting and intricate part of it doesn't really start to occur until at least the mid game, and and that's when it starts to really become quite exciting. And uh, so there's a long period of time before uh, before anything sort of actually happens, uh, you know, with the maritime trade houses. Before all of a sudden you're in the in the middle of all the really intricate politics. And um, so the pacing is sort of for newish players. The pacing is unusual for them, I guess, uh, with 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 that sort of gameplay. And I guess my point there was that if we had naval units, they would at least be able to play with something to a to, to a degree initially. Yeah, I'm not sure I agree. I, I feel it. You, you can get into the, the the action quite 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 quickly with the uh, maritime trade houses. Yeah, uh, for me, it's already that. exciting, you know, to make uh, to sign a contract to to explore the oceans and find new islands, uh, and then it's just a small step to actually, you know, sign a transport contract. And it seems to depend on the planet, because, like I say, on that Thalassa class, I was I had to use the maritime trading houses right from the start. So because um, I was on a relatively, you know, a, the, the island that I was on at the start of the game there was about 30 turns worth of exploration and that is it. So after about 20, 30 turns, which to, uh, which goes by very quickly, by the way, when you've got a small landmass and you've only, you don't really have much to beat back, then you, yeah, I, I, I think that uh, I, I kind of answered it as a question, but to, to answer the point, Daz, I'm not quite sure that that's the case because I think that it, as usual, it will be a, a matter of the planet generation and the, the map settings. Sometimes you get into it really, really quick. Like in that test game I played in the beta, then um, I found that 
I was dealing with the maritime trading houses a lot later because it was on a continent. So I kind of tried to conquer the continent first and then do the, the MTH stuff. Whereas on my current game, I had no choice. But if I wanted to get another city, I had to go and talk to the maritime trading houses because at the start of the game, you don't get transport aircraft. So, you know, it's, I think that it probably just depends on the on the, the RNG. Actually, that's a very good point, Ben. Uh, I think that what happens with the... Um... Uh, that one of the, I mean, probably the most uh, exciting thing about the whole Shadow Empire game is the fact that you don't know what really you get, what, fa- what you're going to be facing when you do, do sort of come to a planet. It's not like you're like every other game where you where you're basically just playing an algorithm on a, on a planet on on a system that is always the same. Like with Shadow Empire, uh, it's so wildly different, and uh, the way that um, you know with what you've done there, Vic, with actually making it so that. You know, if, if it doesn't have you know a certain type of atmosphere, then it won't have certain types of other assets on the actual planet itself, or you know whatever else it might actually be. It's just absolutely brilliant. And I, I take your point because I think what I've been playing is I've been lately I've been just playing on the completely random planets. I haven't actually been playing the themed algorithms, and uh, you tend to on those end up with the maritime trade houses being in large lakes a lot rather than actual massive oceans where they're actually interacting with each other. So, um, yeah, I do take that point. I'll, um, I'll concede that one. <laughs> no, but everybody is allowed there. Um, I mean, it's, it's definitely, it was definitely a, a DLC that didn't please everybody. As I said, it, it, it's, it's on my timeline. I, I, I do want to get the Navy units in after the politics thing. So it's just going to take some time. And let's see if the game also keeps being played, you know, because this is going to take a few years to, to get there. That's why I said, you know, in this post, like, it's it's not a promise. It's like a sketch of what I would like to do, but it's dependent on, you know, external circumstances and well, further reflection, of course. Vic, I was playing around with the new blueprint designer thing earlier on, uh, or actually last night before I went to bed, and it adding all the different components to the different units in real time shows you how much art assets have gone into this game because you actually get to see every single gun has got a different graphic every single piece of armor has got a different graphic um you know the sizes of the vehicles of every you know the, changing the engine size on a truck changes the 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 visuals of the truck it reminds me of when i was talking to a, a modder for a, a who who does a big UFO XCOM mod. And um, he was, when I asked him what he liked about Shadow Empire, because he was raving about it on his little Discord channel, he was saying one of the things that he really loves about the game is how immersive it is because of how much effort has gone into little details like the graphics. And that's why it really triggered me when I hear people say, oh, the graphics in Shadow Empire suck. And it's like, some of the graphics in Shadow Empire are a bit weird, but the graphics effort that's gone into them is actually really, really high. with the advent of some of this new technology that we've got with regards to the AI technology, things like stable diffusion, you know, the ability to create um, language models, do you think that this kind of technology could potentially be used for Shadow Empire uh, in order to expand on the... Because uh, I, I, I don't know who it is that does your artwork, whether you do it yourself or who does it, but I imagine being a small developer, there must be some potential to use this kind of technology in order to create more of that immersive art asset you know sound effects whatever for you know for a for an indie game like yours what do you think about that well first of all i think using ai art is um it's a very divisive subject so uh there's some hesitancy uh, on my part to, to to use it but that being said on the other hand there, there, there are some graphics in Shadow Empire which I believe are 
they have their own charm maybe but they're they could be a lot better and i'm especially talking about the the larger illustrations uh there for example for the for the for the for the stratagems and and, and the vidcom screens because what you were talking about like the like the unit graphics you know ai uh, don't count on the ai if the number of pixels gets really small but for larger illustrations it, it could indeed be useful and I, I, I might, I might, I might do a, a small experiment soon to see uh, how the reception would be of making changes. But I'm a bit afraid, you know. Some people also got used to the current look of things, so any change in looks might also give negative uh, feedback, especially, you know, with the sensitivity of part of the uh, of humanity against using uh, AI art. Mm. So it's, it's a difficult subject, but I do want to experiment a bit and see what, 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 what's, what, what, what the feedback is going to be. And based on that, either continue or don't. In any case, if I, if I experiment, I will make it optional. So either you, you play the, the game as it looks right now or you use uh, the new graphics. Uh, but it would be if I do it, it would be a gradual process where I'll be adding graphics over a longer period of time because it's just too much work to replace everything in one go. Uh, Vic, just following up on the AI discussion, and I know that uh, like the, you know, this, this, it's going to be changing things over the coming years, I would guess, but uh, like you focus very heavily on the AI, AI, AI programming or the, the actual the, the, the algorithm used by the AI within the game itself. And I know that that's something that you focus very heavily on uh, that we don't get to see when we're playing the actual surface of the actual of the, of the game itself. And I just wondered if you could actually maybe talk a little bit about your process, um, how you approach that, because it's, it is one of those things that for, for us mere mortals, it's a bit of a dark art as to, uh, as to how a developer like yourself would actually go about approaching that. Oof! Well, I, I didn't prepare any, 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 any. How do you say any one hundred and one on <laughs> coding Shadow Empire here? Um, yeah, that's a big topic. <laughs> listen, uh, there, there, there's a lot of yeah, there's a there's a lot of detail under the hood. But uh, the the question is, are you asking like really how does the AI make it makes it moves with with the existing rules, which are sometimes in a black box without the player being able to actually see how everything works in detail or could you narrow the question down? Is it like a question like like how does Deep Blue uh, make its chess moves, or, or 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 why do why are some chess moves in Shadow Empire have rules that you know you see the outcome but you don't know what what the calculations were? Well, I think that uh, like again, I think when players are sort of uh, playing the game, they they take for granted what the AI does. I think they're so used to playing games where the where the AI is scripted to do certain things, and in Shadow Empire, that's not the case. It's a or it doesn't appear to be the case because the the AI plays incredibly well. It sort of knows what to do at different times, and it's and so it's it it sort of almost sort of thinks its way through different problems. And I, I think that when the um, so I guess the question is. Like typically, how how many or how many options does the AI go through? Um, you know, when it's actually trying to plan its its turn, and does it think does it think multiple turns ahead? I'm guessing it must. Actually, in in a way, I guess uh, there's, there's multiple parts to the AI. There is the there's the economic AI, there's the strategic AI, and there's like the operational AI. And the the, the strategic AI sort of makes a, a big picture analysis uh, of what's going on and divides 
it borders into separate front lines and assigns units to them or keeps some units in reserve. And it gives some clues to the economical AI. And the economical AI is basically like also giving some clues to the strategic AI, for example, if it's if it's missing metal, the strategic AI should be more interested in declaring war on a regime that has actually metal deposits in its territories. But economic AI mostly focuses on like which assets to to build, uh, which is uh, it's, it's a lot of calculations because there's a lot of options. And then the operational AI, that one actually takes a part of the map because the operational AI, there's many operational AIs. Like the strategic AI divides the, the front line and then every part of the front line with a, with a number of units uh, gets an operational AI assigned. And that one actually moves uh, the units and try to, tries to accomplish like, short-term objectives like destroying the enemy or encircling the enemy or in case if things are not going well, establishing a defensive line or, or retreating or trying to break out of an encirclement. So there's several parts of the AI uh, that, that focus on different areas and they communicate between them. It's not, it, it's, it's something uh, I'm, I'm not that happy about its long-term vision. And it's something I would like to address. Uh, at the same time, I would like to attack the, uh, the naval units. But it, it, I use a lot of matrices and sort of like fuzzy calculations. Uh, and that works quite well, but there is a tendency sometimes of, um, of, of what I call like a flip state, like one turn would say like, yeah, it's not going well. The other turn would say, yeah, it's going well. And that can lead in strange behavior sometimes. So updating this, especially the strategic AI is something I still have on my agenda to give it more more, more uh, coherence and, and, and consistency uh, in the long term and to, to make more detailed plans before sending them to the operational AIs and, and try to stick with them for a longer period of time and, and not change them. Uh, I, I have the chance to change them, the, you know, the next term. You see, that triggered me. I, I, I actually, I heard the word matrices and I was just like, oh, getting flashbacks to my linear algebra classes at university. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this, this sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> like, I don't know if you were using it strictly in the mathematical get, sense. Get, there, I'm mate, not but. sure. Yeah. <laughs> but basically I make, I make like, like maps uh, I call them matrices, but they're basically maps. Like you, you look at the map when you play the game, right? And, and there's many maps the AI uses, but on every hex, there's just a value. For example, there's a map for victory points, but they, they get fuzzied out, for example. And so the AI, you know, he, he puts maybe a score of 100 on every city, give or take. And then it, 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 it sort of like blurs the map. So, you know, the, the, the hex is around the 100 uh, victory point hex will be 80 and then 60 and then and there's many matrices i use oh, at the same time okay. and they get all multiplied by each other and that that determines sort of what becomes interesting for the ai for example this is interesting so it's all, it is kind of modeling how you know a crude way of how a player would be approaching the strategic situation yeah i'm trying to then. teach the ai to play as i would play that's interesting that's really cool that's really uh, interesting I'm, yeah yeah, that's a fascinating answer. Actually, I'm I'm glad I asked that question. Because now. because there's 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 too many you know permutations to run. It's not chess. You know you cannot run through all the options. So you have to use sort of an intuitive approach to making the moves. The only calculations, you know, more exact calculations, even they, they are estimates. Uh, the AI is, is is doing is when it's like actually considering, for example, an attack. You know, there it makes a little bit more in depth calculation, like 
is this a clever thing to do? Vic, on the subject of the strategic AI, I know that I don't think it would be good for the player to have too much of a telegraph of what the what the AI wants to do. But I was looking at your roadmap and I saw that you had the idea of newspapers or you know some kind of like VidCon broadcast. Would that be a nice opportunity for you to kind of maybe telegraph to the player? Oh, you know, uh, say Solarian State have been eyeing up our metal mines, and then that might you know that triggers from the AI's calculations. Oh, we need metal and you know, battle mode state have got metal. So uh, maybe, the, you know, would that be something that you you were kind of thinking of with the with the way that the this whole kind of newspaper or, you know, kind of media thing was was working? Is that is that one of the potential well, it's options? It's a potential option. But uh, I'm not sure I would like to put crucial information in... in uh, the, the crucial information might be doubled in the newspaper, but basically I would like the newspaper to be an optional read because not, it would not be everybody's cup of tea. And, and the, I think the sure. core objective with the newspaper would be, I'm still not sure if it should be a newspaper or some sort of VidCon broadcast, because a newspaper it sounds sounds a bit like, I don't know, there's a bit of um, a tension between the science fiction element of the game and even the post-apocalyptic. Yeah, it's a bit, bit 20th century. <laughs> it's a little bit 20th century. <laughs> a lot of players might not know what one is now. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> but graphically, it's it's really enticing to use like a newspaper format because it allows to do some fun things. And otherwise, it would just resemble like the VidCom screen. But uh, for, for the actual question, uh, the, the main objective of the, the newspaper idea would be immersion and at the same time, but that's that, that like a different bullet point. I, I would like to give a bit more transparency about things happening under the hood. But I think the spies would be, for example, more uh, interesting to reveal like details about enemy intentions than the newspaper. Actually, Vicar, a, a different question, actually, and a follow-up on something that Ben had mentioned uh, some time ago was uh, like when we were briefly talking about the, the blueprints that you've actually added in, which are just incredible, uh, not just from that visual aspect, but also just from being able to calculate so quickly. I didn't I didn't realise how useful that would be to even design things like, for example, tanks or anything at all. Like, it really is just amazing. Maybe not so much infantry, but for, um, for certainly for tanks, artillery and, and those sorts of things, it gives you all of the information as you're sort of planning out the actual design for it. One thing I find from, a, I guess, a user experience side of things is that because it's actually in that management tab, uh, it's not readily in front of people's face when they're actually doing the model design itself. Are you ever thinking of actually bringing a lot of that functionality into the actual model designer or are you happy with it being sort of tucked away in the, because it's just so useful. It's just such an incredible addition to the actual game itself. Yeah, it's just like the... You know, like interface-wise, the actual decision tab and the reports tab, basically the information is displayed on, well, on paper sheets, right? M much like a newspaper, actually. Hmm, interesting. Uh, but um, like, uh, it's it's quite hard to make complicated functionality on on, 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 on those, uh, those, those paper sheets. So that's the reason also why I put it in management. And also because I like to, you know, to keep the basic functionality the same and, and then with... Uh, with additions to the game, you get extra options instead of like a, a change of how the how the game plays. Uh, because I still think that I still think that for be, for beginning for beginner beginning players, it's it's quite useful to use the old system because it confuses them less. 
In one sense, um, I find, though, that people don't, like newish players don't even realise it's there. Like I know that when I do live streams and show it, it's like, oh, wow, I didn't realise that that was actually even part of it. Maybe maybe there should be maybe a, a pointer from the um, from when people are actually designing the models uh, in the model yeah. designer, just to let them know that in the management screen there is actually a blueprint area there because um, it is, I know that that's one of those things that really surprises people, the power of it. No, that's a good point, just a small your, your council director could give you a small hint, right? Yeah, just basically sort of saying, oh, look, you know, it, if you want to streamline this process, um, you know, consider using blueprints or something along those lines. Because, it, again, um, there's a little bit of confusion about how to use it. Like, I know that, again, when I show it, uh, there, I was getting questions as to they, they were anticipating it didn't do as much as what it did do and didn't realise just what feedback you got as you were actually doing the design itself. I mean, it's just a brilliant system. Uh, another thing I was thinking about is just sometimes I have to also switch to other topics because I cannot linger too long on something because there's, there's so many stuff I want to do. Sometimes I have to jump a bit between topics is to add actually an order button to the actual management screen there. Uh, if, that if you want, you can immediately order the model design council to, to start working on a, a specific blueprint. That would also avoid some clicks for people who are already using the blueprints. Actually, Vic, this uh, segues into something I wanted to ask you, which is what is it that you're actually working on at the moment with Shadow Empire? Um, it seems to me that you're working through kind of a, a list of issues that people have got or kind of a wish list. Is, is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm basically working through the, the long-term development sketch I posted like the last bullet point I addressed was like the early and small economy fine tuning. That's like the stuff with the furnaces and stuff. And next, well, I think I think first I'm going to do the new leader portraits, and, and then I'm going to attack a very big topic, uh, which is basically the snowball snowballing and balancing thing, and also more planet specific rules uh, because they tie in together. But uh, as I said, first I'm going to very probably finished uh, the new leader portraits you see i'm scared when you start talking about balancing and snowballing i start getting worried and i trust you vic but when it comes to single player games i'm less bothered about like fine-tuned balance as i am uh you know the game being kind of having interesting situations that it throws at you because of potentially unbalanced situations um i'm sorry daz i'm just going to jump in just quick with one question for vic how much do you balance the game around single player and how much do you balance around multiplayer and is there a conflict there, or would would you like both of them to be roughly the same? Would you say? I don't see much of a difference, to be honest. Well, what would, would I mean? I I I I'm okay with the game being unfair. Let's say that uh, for starters. But you know, I, I don't want a I don't want a balanced multiplayer game as such. But I do want an interesting multiplayer game. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> that makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. I I. I... I really hate games that end up be trying to balance too much and uh, it takes the surprise away. And, um, you know, it, I think it, having beautifully unbalanced games really makes um, it so much more fun to play because you don't know what you're going to get. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I mainly just play single player anyway. And, um, you know, for a game this complex as well, I think that multiplayer, I know there's a lot of people that would want to be playing it that way. But for me, the, um, you know, that, that unbalance about the game, I really, really like. And, um, well, this is something that I learned playing Dominions, which is a very, you know, another kind of randomized, unbalanced game that's heavily based around diplomacy, like the original game, you know, named Diplomacy. And 
um, actually, just as a quick follow-up, Vic, I, I came across in a recent multiplayer game that I'm actually still playing, a bit of a conflict between the way that Shadow Empire runs diplomacy, you know, with the stratagem cards and uh, certain treaties and the organic diplomacy that we were kind of, you know, working into the game. And it, I ran into this hard because <laughs> I had a non-aggression agreement with a, with a player and uh, I forgot to kind of ratify that, I guess, in game with the with the the technical non-aggression pack stratagem card. So it it caused a bit of a problem because what happened was he got attacked by one of you know by another guy, and so I I had to formally declare war on him because that was you know because I was agreeing to my sort of like defense pact, I guess. But in game wise, I couldn't do it because the happiness hit that I was going to take from declaring war was just absolutely brutal. <laughs> so it was. And it was it was amazing. I'm glad it happened because it really threw up an interesting conflict between the organic diplomacy and the the in game diplomacy. Uh, are you are you aware of any such conflict, or you know, or are you, are you not really that bothered about it? I'm not that bothered about them because they're avoidable. But I think there might be some uh, special cases that would be nice if they would be taken into account. For example, the one you just tell me, where like so your player A. You have like a, a friend that's player B, right? And then player C attacks player B, if I understand correctly. And then you are like, I want to attack player C now because, you know, I'm, I'm his friend, right? Uh, but if I do that, yep. you know, my everybody would be completely unhappy because you actually have a good relation with player C probably. That was my fault. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to hold my hands up and admit this because I actually, it was Richard York and I actually f- uh, forgot to do the, you know, the official non-aggression pack with it. And my opponents saw this and they kind of exploited it, which I thought was just a really interesting situation. But it did get me thinking that, you know, this isn't Dominions. It's, uh, it's there is a fully, f- there's a full fleshed out, uh, you know, diplo- diplomatic system baked into the game mechanics in Shadow Empire, which you're supposed to use. But it's interesting to see, like I haven't played that many multiplayer games, but I'm, I understand that people do do their own organic diplomacy. Like, okay, I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to let you take St. Petersburg, but you're going to leave me Moscow. And I'm in, in return, when I attack, you know, China, then I'm going to, you know, and, and th- th- they have these kind of like sort of organic plans that start coming up as well, which I think is really, really cool. Well, I, I can, can say like in, in, in the situation you just sketched, it, it might be nice, you know, if you would take less of a hit, if you're declaring war on somebody that's already at war with somebody that's a friend of yours, like in the game, if if you have like sure. for example non-aggression pact, or uh, I think if you have an alliance pact, the, the war declaration would be immediate. Uh, but even with non-aggression pact, you could say like, yeah, maybe yeah, it should be a bit less severe because there's some there's a good story behind your declaration of war. On the other hand, like if you would have made an, a higher diplomatic pact level with player b in the first place you would automatically have been at war with player c if i'm not mistaking my own rules here uh, now while we're talking about the uh, the 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 you know this shadow empire long-term sketch um i i i'm aware vic that this is this you said that very very strong disclaimer that this was a plan and not a promise and uh, but there's so much stuff in here that we could probably do like three or four podcasts on it <laughs> <laughs> just just talking about all the all the kind of ideas that you've had i'm i'm interested to know how, how much how much of this would you say roughly is going ahead and how much you know are you are you are you hoping to be able to do all of this or are you are, are these ideas that are 
in a hat and you're going to pull some out and you know work on those uh, I, I would say that the closer they are towards the present the the, the more cut in stone they are and then the farther away they are in the future, the more chance there is something still changes. For example, like, you know, the work named Starfire, that's really maybe more of a dream than a certainty. You know, it's something I would like to do at some point, but it's also, you know, big change would probably even be like a, a new separate uh, game like Shadow Empire 2 or something. Uh, so that's like far away. So uh, the, 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 the certainty level drops off once it goes further in the future. I've got, to, I've got to say, I really love that you actually uh, felt comfortable to be able to put that together and actually present that for the community to sort of be able to share, I guess, your long-term plans with the game. It's uh, a lot of developers uh, wouldn't do that. And it's, uh, I also like the things that you've been sort of telling us that, that, you, um, that you do like to just focus on what you're interested in. And I, I, I think it's one of those things that must be difficult where you feel under pressure to focus on something that you're not really passionate about like let's just take it for example the the naval units when there's something else that you prefer to be working on and i sort of uh, even though like you know as somebody who plays a game I, I want a certain thing i actually really do appreciate that you've that you do just do what you want because it, it for as a as somebody who loves the game and is hoping that the game is going to be around for an awfully long time that will then mean that there'll be all sorts of surprising things coming over time because of that degree of passion. So um, I guess it's almost like a statement, but I also, I like as far as your, I guess, your work balance um, with keeping you, you interested, you seem to be very uh, good at being able to share what your, what your vision is without actually committing you know, to actually go down a specific track by a certain time. And anyway, yeah, so thumbs up from me that you do that. But it's, um, you know, do you have any any comment about that? Not not really. Um, it's, 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 it's also, it helps me to, to, to at least share a little bit, you know, of, of what's going on. It, uh, it, it, it brings some early feedback, at least. I can do some polls. I can check what, you know, if, if my, what, 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 I, what I'm aiming at is, yeah, I would like to work on stuff that I like to work on, but it also has to make sense in a commercial perspective. Like people must want these features as well. And there's also a question of like balance of how much time do I use on... Because Shadow Empire is much more than just the mechanics, right? There's also, uh, I would say, like the immersion part and... Uh, my analysis was I've been working too much on mechanics for the last years. And that's why I said, like, let's first do this work named Republica DLC and, and try to focus on stuff that actually brings immersion. Uh, because I think I've been skipping a bit on, on development on that side. But um, though the MTH have, they, they, have a, they, have, they have a bit of immersion, but it's, it's still a lot of mechanics as well. I find the planets themselves uh, give you the immersion. Like I, I, like I don't know whether it's just because I'm a visual thinker, but uh, when I'm playing the game, I'm, the thing that I'm so excited about when I play it is that I don't know what sort of planet I'm going to be playing when I go into it. It just and I, I'm visualizing like it's like reading a book. You don't actually get to see the pictures, but when you sort of look at what's happening on the actual planet itself, you can visualize just what it must be like to be in the in these padded enviro suits and uh you know doing things in in ice you know it's it just i i just find that so uh, i find that so involved involving anyway and so immersive just the planet generation it's just for me just uh, like I, I don't personally i don't think i need to have the game 
inject much else, to be honest, in that sort of sense. I just love it. Well, it's, it's interesting you say that because I'm not a visual thinker, not naturally anyway. Um, I'm more of an audio brain and I kind of, you know, I think in kind of words, but I still get that same thing that you're talking about, Daz, particularly with the planet generation, but with pretty much everything in the game. And it was also noted by the, you know, that other developer I was talking to who who pointed that out as one of the Australia, Shadow Empire's standout features was just how immersive it is with <clears throat> the, the attention to detail. And that attention to detail isn't just in the graphics, it's right through the game. And I think that uh, I, I think any effort that goes into immersion is going to be appreciated to some extent. And uh, I'm I like mechanics, and I you know I, if you if you spent nothing more than a year working on the AI, I'd probably be happy. And not because I think there's a problem with the AI, just because I like the game to do delightful things in in, in mm-hmm. terms of how it plays. But I think immersion is really important, and a lot of people. I think the I think it's fair to say that there will be a fair number of people who would be just put off shadow empire just by the way that it looks because it looks like an older game whereas someone like me that like i looked at shadow empire because it looked old you know i was like hang on a minute this has not got like a load of fancy 3d graphics and crap this looks like it might be a real game (laughs) rather than just a sort of tech demo pretending to be a game so i i you know that attracted me to the game but everybody's different and i think it it just kind of goes to highlight how so many people, you know, appreciate the different things out of these games, and I'm really, I'm, I'm really glad that you are trying to balance all that out, Vic. Because I think that's, again, this is not much of a question. I'm afraid it's more of a comment, but I think it's good that you are that you are considering so many different people because it's been, it's clear to me that people play these games for very different reasons. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Because, for example, with the poll I did, like without surprise, uh, a lot of people said put in the navy, uh, the naval units. Right, but for example, politics scored really high, and I've never seen anybody asking for this. Uh, well, maybe some, but it's been really a minority that has been asking for more politics in in the forums or or anywhere else. And it was a thing that scored really high, for example. So maybe these are people that are less vocal. I don't know. And in the poll, it shows up. Well, you know what I don't see, for example, on the on the on the Steam forums. Where focus has been on, on more on, on more mechanical issues and more uh, more rule based issues with, with with military with logistics um, that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, like if you just look at the the kind of if you would try to to place Shadow Empire into a genre now, it's going to be really difficult, right? And I know that you always <clears throat> excuse me, you always intended it to be like a war game and a four X. But I think it started moving into grand strategy. It's got role-playing game elements. It's actually it's go, it's going to be really really hard to kind of knock it through any of the, the the holes in the in you know in the shape box now. And that as a consequence is going to attract loads of different kind of people, and they're all going to want different things. So I don't envy your job at all. I mean, just look at two people who are quite visible playing the game, which is myself and Daz, I guess. Daz, if you watch Daz play, he plays very differently to how I do. I kind of treats it almost more like a war game, um, you know, like a sort of straight war game. And then, kind of, whereas I've been approaching it very much like a forex game. And with Oceania, it's it's become like this kind of military, sort of economic and in, industrial simulation where I'm really I'm spending more time looking at the you know, like the capital prices index and trying to figure out what items I should be selling to kind of inflate the market and kind of weird stuff like that. And it's it's kind of turned into this kind of you know, economic game as well. So I think it's uh, it's kind of interesting that I guess everybody has got their own idea of what they want from Shadow Empire now. And the game, you know, I, it's just wonderful that you've been able to put in enough detail that it's interested so many different people and they all want different things from it. But it must be a real a real challenge and a problem for you. To it's okay. 
I quite like how how it does many things at the same time. It's I think it's a special game, not like any others. I, I, I like to keep it that way. Actually, I, I, I sort of gave up to push it in a in a specific straight jacket. Uh, I'm just trying to analyze what what would improve the game the most, you know, uh, for me, but also for the different uh, interest groups that play the game. Because I agree with you, different people look for different things in the game. And that's why I said, like, I think it's time to do something, you know, a little bit more. I did, but, but basically, I did it already a bit with, with, with Oceania, right? It's not like military focused. So basically, I'm, I'm sort of doing it again uh, with Republica, but I want this one to be less because, because Oceania was still heavy on logistics. Uh, and I want Republica to be more heavy on the fun part uh, and the surprise part uh, and, and the sense of immersion, right? So we, 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 we'll, we'll see how it goes. First, I still have quite a lot of stuff just to, to, to finish that will basically be released for free. I don't want to do spend all my time on DLCs. I want to spend part of my time on improving the, 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 the base product, uh, the core engine. And after I finish my list, I'll switch to a DLC. And then I'll do a similar phase afterwards and focus on everything that could be improved uh, to the core engine at that point in time. Because some complaints, they have been longstanding, right? Like the blueprints thing. People have been complaining about that, I think, ever since the air units got introduced a long time ago. Uh, so I, I, I was happy I finally got around to, you know, addressing wildly, uh, wildly, uh, largely supported claims, uh, complaints uh, like that. But I also have some complaints of myself, and they might be less obvious for you because why I would be working on them. Because one of my complaints is I'm seeing too many safe games where the, the player has become like super big, has like 20 zones, and is especially steamrolling the planet. And that's what I mean with snowballing, basically. I have the idea that at, in the beginning, it's, it's really tough to build up. Uh, and at some point, there's just so many uh, industrial points and, 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 and metal and, and, and other stuff coming in that the, the, the player becomes a bit too omnipotent from from my point of view. Can I, can I just ask a question there, Vic? Um, because this is actually something that is interesting. Like um, different games have got different focuses when when the game does start to snowball. And uh, like personally, as I get bored with games as soon as the game starts to do it, and I just want the snowball to get as big as it can, as fast as it can, and get the game over and done with. When you know that when you know that you've already got it won, uh, I I personally really really don't like games that end up trying to then ramp the difficulty up for the player to sort of string it out even further. And uh, have you got have you got a direction that you're wanting to take with the game? I thought I'd just, just get my personal preference in there first because Ben's probably got the exact opposite, I would imagine. But <laughs> because, again, people are going to have different sort of things. I actually I agree with you to some extent, Daz. I think that there, there are, um, before Vic answers, there, there are certain ways that you can approach snowballing in Forex. So many have been tried, and I don't think anyone's ever really got it right. I think you've just got to pick something consistent. You either have double win mechanics, which end the game faster, you know, that kind of reward you for winning and then make you more powerful so you can win quicker. That's one way of doing it. I think another way of doing it is just to have this kind of sliding... Uh, 
uh, where the difficulty starts to adjust uh, as you start winning. I don't know how popular that one is, actually. Uh, I'm not a big fan of it, I'll be honest with you. But it just depends on... I think it. I think you've got to come up with a creative way of doing it. Like, I, I really loved Field of Glory Empires in this respect with the decadence mechanic where, you know, your, your empire slowly decays, essentially, unless you spend a lot of effort mitigating it. And that creates gameplay because if you want to stop your empire from falling to pieces, you have to get quite creative and work quite hard to stop it and that in itself creates a challenge that was genius game design by poker is it pocus i think that was absolute like genius so that's that's how i like seeing it done rather than kind of artificial modifiers and stuff but anyway sorry i'll hand it over to vic yeah i, I like that mechanic as well and actually that's uh that mechanic is also i mentioned uh, somewhere that the nss closes uh ancient theory of politics and and they, the ancients, they well, they, they were very much obsessed by decadence, I guess. Uh, and basically, I think Focus has modeled it exactly on, well, not exactly, but a little bit in the same spirit as I was planning to do things here. Yeah, I, I think what's what Focus is doing with uh, Fields of Glory is very interesting, and I was more or less thinking around uh, along the same lines of thought. Uh, I, I like the, the the political theories of the ancients, uh, where basically they they say that every system over time degrades uh, in, in a in a in a decadent version of its original. Like a, a monarchy would degrade into a dictatorship or a tyranny, and a democracy would generate over time into an anarchy, and an aristocracy over time would degrade into an oligarchy. Uh, and I think that's sort of what he's doing. That was also sort of the direction I was thinking for, for, for more advanced politics in the later game. But I would mix it up with some more extreme modern day politics as well. Yeah, that sounds, sounds really cool. interesting. Yeah, that's, that's really does sound very, very, uh, very cool, actually. Again, again even though it's, it's immersive, but on a simulation level, which, uh, again, I think really works well for Shadow Empire. Yeah, and actually, there's a there's an opposite word for decadence. Uh, the ancients, especially the Romans, they used uh, the word virtus, which basically is sort of similar to virtue, but but a bit different. It's it's basically the opposite of decadence in my personal definition. My idea would be also for for game balancing and snowballing uh, that like when you start at a low tech level, uh, you have a high virtus, which would result in. Uh, a lot of cohesion between your people, but like over time, uh, this virtus would go down uh, if you don't do anything, uh, and that would actually impact the cohesion uh, as well as your organizational abilities. I think the only thing that wouldn't be impacted would be your tech, your technology level. So it would be possible to be like decadent, but with high technology. But you, you would take a hit at some point. Like, for example, what I think, I've been reading a lot of uh, Jerry Purnell. He's a science fiction writer, and his planets are not unsimilar to the kind of planets you sometimes find in Shadow Empire. And in his theory, like a higher decadence would result actually in an unwillingness of the population to, well, to join the army and to fight. So in his books... It's like mercenaries that do all the fighting because the decadent population, they, they prefer to, to, to enjoy their quality of life. And I think there's something with this mechanic that could sort of sl sl slow the, the end game curve uh, a bit down or at least present you. Because I, I do hear what you guys said about I want, I want it to be over. But there's a difference between starting to snowball 
actually wanting to wrap the game up because you have won. And I think I have to keep That's both true. in mind there. Uh, I don't want you to to have you know continued problems internally in your empire uh, that are just slowing you down to wrap up the last remaining AI, for example. That that, that would not be cool. That sounds that sounds good. It's uh, yeah because it's it's one of those things like like I, I hate the sliding difficulty scale. This this actually sounds a lot more nuanced and a lot more interesting. And it sounds like it would actually be impacting from the mid game, not just the end game, which I think would be good. Yeah, it's like because this sounds like uh, for me, snowballing is only a problem if the gameplay is boring from that point. Like, I think you've got to be careful not to curb snowballing too much because if you've spent a long time building this empire and going through all these challenges, you want a little bit of time to be able to enjoy the fruits of your labor and you know to be able to play with these toys that you've developed. You know, you spent all this time building up these big armies. If it, it's a bit anticlimactic, if it kind of ends too soon, so it's a real balancing act, I guess. And I, I liked. I like the decadence thing, you know, the cultural decadence ranking thing in in Field of Glory Empires because, like I said, it it encourages you. Well, you don't have to do it for a start. Like if you happy for your empire to fall to bits, that's fine. You, you know, you got a good score, and you can carry on in certain ways. But if you want to try to save your empire, then it, it creates interesting gameplay. And I think that providing the game is still fun. I don't mind if I've got the biggest empire if there's something fun to be doing. You know, if there's if there's something fun to be doing and there's still a chance of losing, then those two things go together to make compelling gameplay. I think. But the big the big thing with that, Ben, and I've got to strongly disagree with you here. I mean, we've got to have at least one big disagreement with you in each of these <laughs> different podcasts. But never. <laughs> but the um, the reason that the decadence mechanic is so clever with what Agio did with um, with Field of Glory Empires is because the game started off with the empires being so unbalanced, and I think that that's why that's such a magical system. Is because you don't you don't start off equal and then end up with a, with an unbalance. You start off with complete unbalance in the game, and so I think the genius behind that system is because of the way that the game actually. You, you, you can't have a historic game where everyone's at equal at equal level, and um, the decadent system just works so well in that capacity. But um, yeah, you're right, and it's a warning as well not to try to transplant one system from one game into another and expect it to work. I think that's a really good point. Yeah, no, that's yeah, I just that's the big thing I take away from. I think that's why I think that system works so well in that game is because it's just such a, an elegant way to actually start off with with um, a very unbalanced start. Uh, gentlemen, we probably better start wrapping the podcast up. Um, Vic, is there anything else you'd like to say before we finish? Mm, oof. Um, I know you hate these kind of open questions. There's, there's, well, there's, <laughs> there's nothing that comes to mind uh, except everything. Oh, I, what, 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 what I'm interested <laughs> in, I think I heard you say on one of your podcasts, uh, Ben, that uh, you don't like to speak for the community. But yeah. uh, you know, for me, it would be really helpful if there's... Some people that do speak for the community that try to help me understand like what, what different groups of players actually would like the most. In, in some areas, this is already clear, right? Like the naval units, but uh, it, it does help sure. me, you know, to get to, to get get feedback. Uh, and, and, and ideally, personal feedback is always nice. But you, you guys might have a unique perspective uh, because you chat so much with other players of the game of what your followers uh, as a group would think is the highest priority for me. It's funny you say that though, Vic. It's one of those things like one thing I notice, uh, particularly with players who don't play the game that much, they absolutely really, really want to have some sort of alien presence on the worlds. But when you 
the more you play the game, the more you realise if it's there, it's there. If it's not there, it's not there. And it really doesn't matter whichever way it goes. And so, yes, it is great to get the feedback, but sometimes, um, like I, now when I play the game, I don't care if there's aliens or there's not. It just means that there's a, a, an extra dynamic in the actual game itself. So, yeah, it's sort of funny because I, I also remember the very, very first games that I was playing, all I wanted to do was generate planets with aliens, but it's no longer a... So I think people's uh, enjoyment of the game changes over time as well. So it's it's a it's a hard one because it's not like a a stock standard like this is what everyone wants all the time. <laughs> that makes sense. It was, in, it was interesting, Daz, to watch you go from someone who played pretty much on the same kind of planet every time, you know, with the same kind of settings, which is I know something that you like to do in your you know in your games, and then you've now gone into playing just purely randomized, and I, I bet that must have really shaken the game up for you. Um, it's like I've always tried to play. I just pick one that I want to play that is going to be different to what I've done before. Just to just to kind of answer Vic's point, one of the reasons why I say I don't really want to speak for the community is because I'm not probably not that popular in the community. The other thing is is that I my what I like is very very specific just like as i was talking about with daz daz has got a very specific way of playing i've got a very specific way of kind of approaching the game too and i think i'd be a very poor community community kind of mouthpiece because everything that they're going to say is going to get filtered through battle mode so um, i think what you're doing with the with the polls is really really good there's a there's a really good discord called the war of the worlds discord that a lot of people have kind of migrated to in the sense of talking about shadow empire and i kind of i you know i i talk to people on that a little bit but there are people on there who play shadow empire way more than i do and who are just really really into it so that's a really good resource i think if you i don't know if you're lurking on there vic but that might they they seem to think you are because you seem to be answering a lot of their questions when when uh, you know when you're doing these when you're coming out with these new beta patches but uh, yeah there's there's a few places i think that that will, uh, that you know, you can probably sort of mine information from. I, I do try to mine information. I will stay a bit secretive. <laughs> Actually, one that. thing from a, um, from a, I guess, a content creation perspective, which um, is something that people have asked for a bit, and it's not look, it's not going to be from in the game, is the ability to be able to rename the characters. Uh, it's only a minor thing, but it's just one of those other little things. I'm thinking. I know that when I play the games, people like the stories that it get generate that this, the, these games generate, and I know that they they end up with a commander that they everyone hates, but they love to hate him. And um, it would be really cool to be able to name them after actual people or uh, you know like mem- like members of the uh, community that happen to be watching. Just from a content creation perspective, it sort of would. Um, I've heard that one before many times. Yes. But I have a strong resistance against this one. Normally, I'm quite open, but I think I I pull privilege on this one because I just don't like the fact, immersion-wise, that you can rename somebody. I think you you can rename a city, right? If you're the the, the big chief, or you can rename like the, the name of a tank model. But to rename somebody, I don't know, it feels a bit off. And also, the other thing is that the uh, the names that the game comes up with are absolutely hilarious. And like, I've I've got to the point where I won't use any mods now for Shadow Empire. I won't use any. Like, Pymus did an amazing mod for the stratagem cards and things, and I think his works wonderful. And he's a great guy as well. But I I don't use it, and it's because I just I like Shadow Empire as it is. I like the kind of the kind of slightly the slightly wonky sort of stratagem card graphics and stuff. I just, it all adds to the appeal of the game at this point. So, you know, I think that, like, I probably wouldn't change any of the character names either because I just think they're so funny. <laughs> yeah, that's what we talked about before because I'm also working, you know, on new leader portraits. 
And there's also people who gotten really attached to the old graphics. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. In any case, it, I will make sure it's optional to choose. Sure. I, I, look, I'll, if you make new graphics, I'll probably use them. And I do like Pymus's mod pack. It is really, really good. So I think that I'm, I'm not averse to it. I just think that, you know, I'm kind of one of these people when I become uh, attached to something, I'm kind of like a little bit reluctant no, me, me, to let me it go. Too. But, you know, my analysis is like, okay, if I want to improve the number of sales of the base game uh, and with the next DLC, there will be a new option, you know, to have a shot at that. It's maybe I should improve the graphics a bit for, you know, to entice uh, people that are not yet playing Shadow Empire to start with. And I'm not sure if, if that's going to help or not, but I thought like, let's, let's, let's give it a try. Let's, let's make a new graphics mode for the, the most visible graphics, uh, like the illustrations. I mean, the map is quite okay for the moment. I like the map already. I think the map's beautiful. I don't think it needs anything. Like I know some people disagree, but I, I think it's readable. I think it's beautiful. It, you know, the, there's many different colors that come depending on the on the planet generation. I think it's a work of art. Actually, that's why those yeah. are the things that I have to argue with, with that. about. <laughs> I can't play the game without the mod that I made with the to be able to identify the um, the terrain. Um, I find it so difficult without that. So uh, it's the one thing I. I know I'm sort of plugging my own mod, but it's the, it's the one thing I just cannot play the game without. You just need <laughs> some new glasses, old man. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's it's like, because it's very hard to often pick, for example, uh, forest and mountains uh, together. And um, I just find that having that having the a little little. Um, I wish that that was actually a, an aspect of the game that you could flick on or off, like a a map mode that gave you the terrain um, in a very simple format, just so that you could actually do all your planning. Uh, that would be for me. Sorry, I was going to say I had a hilarious moment one time when I was, I, I can't remember what it, I was on a stream or a video and I was saying, hey, look, you know, like Daz has got this this mod and, you know, I don't know why anyone bothers with it. And I was like, look, it's really easy to tell. And then I kind of fumbled around trying to figure out which one was the high mountain and it just looked really funny. <laughs> I, I would also... That's sorry, my I, most downloaded mod of all the mods that I make for any game. Really? Like it's by far the most downloaded mod. Yeah, I, I, I think I have to side with Daz here. I, I think... You, you, you know, you can play it without Desis mod for sure. I mean, I, I, I see the differences between the different landscape types, uh, but there seem to be quite a lot of people who have problems here. So it, it would be a, a nice effort on my side at some point in time if there would be a layer you could switch on. So there's a, also an icon on top of every hex showing the landscape type. It's, it's just, it's, yeah. I have so many, you know, things on my to-do list. It, it's going to get there. That that'd be my preference. I think my preference would be an overlay because I, I I like the graphics as they are. In fact, to the point where I turn off the hex outline markers as well, um, unless I'm counting. I actually like because I like the way the game looks, and I, I think that you know for immersion's sake, it's good to be able to turn mark indicators like that off. That's the only reason I don't use your mod, uh, Daz. I think it's a good mod. It's really it's very very clear. Uh, it's just uh, just for immersion. I prefer to you know to just have it as it is, and I've, I've kind of got used to it, but. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those things. I mean, I, as I say, I can't play the game without it anymore. But <laughs> it's um, it uh, yeah, it's made such a difference for me for planning things. But it's um, yeah, it'd be really cool if it, if there was something in game. But look, I guess that's the beauty of having mods. I mean, they do they do um, uh, allow players to be able to then change the game that suits the way that they want to play it, and uh, with, you know, without it sort of then you know doing anything any real damage to the actual game itself. So. You know, it's it's um uh, yeah that's one of the benefits of actually being able to have mods. Actually, speak uh, just before we end, I I would be amiss to ask about modding Vic. Um, how is it going with the modding 
um, implementation? Is this something you're hoping to do at the very end of the game cycle, or are you still, are, you know, is it? Are you happy with it is as it is, or are you hoping to, you know? Honestly, it was quite a lot tools? of work to already make the modding tools I did, and uh, I'm, I'm not overwhelmed by actual usage of these tools. That at the moment, it's not a big priority for me. That being said, I'm working on new graphics, and one of the things I'm planning to do is to change the way because I've been seeing quite a lot of graphics modding though and one of the things I would like to change there is at the moment if you mod the graphics you basically overwrite the graphics right you you, you provide an alternative uh, image and that one will then be used in the game and what, what I would like to do more in the future is to allow uh, modders to add alternative versions uh, to a certain graphic uh, I thought out a system where you could put some sort of code in the file name. For example, you could put uh, technology level 3 plus or 5 plus. And then if there's several images the game could choose from to display, it would check the logic of the, of the different files that are available and, and would pick the one that's most appropriate. So like this, it would in theory be possible that everybody helps to enrich the graphics set of, uh, of Shadow Empire. That would be especially interesting for uh, Vidcom illustrations, for example. And I've, I've, I've never seen any game do that. So, and I think you know what we already discussed with AI art and stuff, where basically everybody is able to create new images. It, it could be interesting, you know, to pool the effort and at least allow the mechanics, the, the tools, the, the the core engine to be able to absorb an unlimited amount of graphics that would be used based on sort of pseudo-coding pseudo in, in the file name. For example, if you have your, your, your first, one of the first images you see when you start a game, you see the, you know, the, the, the cemetery, the burial of, the, of the, the former leader, right? Now there you could already make, like, make several versions based on what kind of planet it is, what kind of uh, profile you chose. But I, I see some options there to do some sort of maybe some sort of provide the tools for a community graphics modding project, which everybody could do with, with modern tools like Midjourney. You no longer need an artist there to... I don't know if you even need that. I mean, you could just do that with ping layers, like just layers of, um, you know, sort of doing something. <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> but, but, oh, okay. but ping layers, that, that, yeah, they work if the base image stays the same, right? So to, to nest stuff, that's, 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 that's harder, but also possible for, for sure. I've already been doing also, I've been looking into Delhi, uh, which has a good uh, in-painting feature. You know, that, that's uh, in-painting is, is very adaptable for ping layers, for example. If it, do you understand what I'm saying? It might be a bit technical, but uh, if, you, if you make, you have an existing base yeah, image yeah. with, for example, I don't know, two guys kneeling on the floor, talking to a guy on a chair uh, on, a, on, a, on a platform, and you could like, Ask Delhi, like, okay, like, like uh, we blur, we, 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 we erased the guy on the chair from the base image, and then we say, like, evil dictator on chair. And then you could use that one for a totalitarian version, for example. It's possible, but it, it's also a bit finicky with layers because the moment the base image changes, it, it doesn't work anymore. Yep, yep. I'm using that system for portraits uh, in the original game, and, and what I'm, 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 I'm making a new version for the portrait graphics there. I'm, I'm, I'm still using a layered system there. Yeah, I, I like the portraits. Actually, you know, I'm sort of actually, I, I'm also in the, on the camp of actually quite liking the way the portraits come up. <laughs> they look good. We, we will see what your feedback is once the new ones are finished. 
Uh, Vic, it's really clear to me that, you know, this is your passion project. It's becoming a bit of a magnum opus and you're, you're putting a lot of time and effort into it. And we really appreciate it. Like, I, I, this is my favorite game still. And I, it's just a shame I don't have so much time to play it now. <laughs> I want to be able to play it more, particularly all the new changes that you've been putting in since Oceania was released. There's, the game has just changed drastically. Um, sorry, that's not quite right. But it's been, it, you've put a lot of development time into into fine-tuning the you know the overall experience well, for the player and it's it's uh, so much appreciated doing honestly. what i can so uh we're going to wrap the podcast up now guys um daz thank you for co-hosting with me mate it's always great to have you thanks ben and thanks vic as well it's a uh, this has been incredible actually just to be able to um sit and have this sort of discussion i, I always i get so much out of uh, out of these talks and uh, thanks ben for the invitation to be part of the podcast i really do appreciate it a lot Oh, you're always welcome, sir. And thank you, Vic, for coming on and you know and talking to us about your game. Well, same here. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to talk to you guys too. If you want to do it two times a year or something, it's perfectly fine with me. Yeah, the, um, the more we can get you on, the better, honestly, because we, we like yeah. talking to you and it's great fun. Thanks a lot, guys. Okay, well, this was... Sorry, before you do the... It is, uh, there's so much that does change with the game. Actually, it would be great to be able to... Even just yeah, as you say, get back and just do a bit of a benchmark as to where things actually are. Like it's um, that would be really really interesting. Well, if it's useful for Vic, I mean, because I, I know that you watch our videos, and I, I like I think it's good to be able to. This is what I was saying about I don't feel like a comfortable community voice because everything gets filtered through how I feel about the game. However, I think it's you know people like if Vic finds it useful when we do the little podcasts and stuff talking about game mechanics. I'm, I like doing those anyway. I just it's fun content for me to make. I actually like talking about these games uh, almost more than I like playing them. So uh, it's just it's one of these things where you know if uh, if it's a mutual mutually beneficial thing, then <clears throat> I'm all for it. We should do more. Okay, guys. Well, this was Ben, Daz, and Vic for Explominate. Thanks for listening and keep exploring. <laughs>